This episode of the Ministry of Misfits podcast and this awesome shirt are brought to you by a Courageous Clothing Company. Courageous Clothing Company is a Christian family-owned business that specializes in custom designs that they create as well as bulk screen printing of your custom designs as well. When you buy from Courageous Clothing Company, you're not just buying an awesome shirt. You also are helping spread the gospel across the world through the missions that they support, such as this here with Ministry Misfits, as well as with their own designs that have Christian-themed messages sharing the gospel in an awesome and relevant way, or as we say within CSRM and Ministry Misfits, strategically relevant evangelism. Check out their entire line at CourageousClothingCompany.com. Welcome back to Mr. Misfits Podcast. We are here and uh, we actually have a returning guest. I think right. you're the first returning guest that is not in order. And you aren't even actually really returning because last time you were Pastors Game 2. And now you are returning as Antoine Malone, Director of Communications for Threaded there in Texas. <laughs> That's right, man. Like, this is my alter ego. Like, you met Clark Kent, and now, well, wait a I'm not quite Superman, though. But yeah. what's, what's going to be a better... I can't, I, I can't come in as Superman. No, man. That's not going to be right. You, yeah, <laughs> you, you started with DC, and so you lost me immediately. Yeah, we got <laughs> horrible here. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, uh, Killmonger? No, nah, he never was anyone else. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 at a loss at the moment. But you this I'm I'm glad to be back. I'm glad yeah, to be you're, here. You're wearing a, a different, different hat. hat of your your seven thousand hats for the seven thousand jobs that you hold. Uh, <laughs> there so, they are right behind me. This yeah. one, let's see, where is that? That's that's the symbol for threaded right there. Yeah. So if you're looking on our, video. Uh, yeah, so threaded. We talked a little bit about when you were on here with Pastors Game 2, but Threaded is, for our listeners, it's kind of similar to when we talk Tribe Collective um, as far as some of the multi-ethnic ministry type stuff. But you guys are doing it much more in a local fashion there in Texas. Give us just a short statement. What What is Threaded? Yeah, so Threaded is a gospel-centered organization that's designed to bring uh, gospel centers uh, to help people with create and get gospel-centered skills and uh, solutions to um, conflict around race. And so our mission statement is uh, that Threaded, we uh, inspire races, uh, excuse me, we inspire relationships, reconciliation, and collaborative action among the diverse body of Christ. And so we've got a couple ways where we help people just take their next step into this conversation, this really crazy, chaotic conversation around race, racial racial reconciliation and, and even racial conflict. Um, and we just try to equip people. We try to be a guide for people to help. We kind of see people who want to see different uh, outcomes in that conversation as heroes. And so we're kind of like Yodas to their Skywalkers, if you will, <laughs> where we kind of come in, we're like, hey, you know, this is your journey and you know you're going to overthrow the maybe i shouldn't say overthrow the race because that's not quite what i mean but you're going you're, you're going to have this by this battle 
you're jumping and, ahead uh, into our conversation. I here. know, right? <laughs> we we but you're you're gonna have this battle, and so we just want to help train and equip and do what we can to help you have what you need when you get when you get out there and do these things. So we've got like we've got small group material that's been used across the country. Uh, we have a really great program called the uh, Threaded Collective. As, um, and it's a paid program. It's like $100 a year. But there's like 40 hours worth of content of resources and videos and webinars and white papers and different things to help you deal with the most uh, pressing issues and bring the gospel to those issues. And so um, I encourage you, if you're, if you're like looking for someone or some way to, to step, to go forward, man, check us out. We are threaded.org. And go to wearethreaded.org slash collective and consider that because uh, I think that's going to be for $100, which is not very much, or $10 a month, but it's better to do the annual thing. Um, it's just a lot of resources there. And we do a live Q&A once a month. And so whatever it is you might be dealing with, you know, we make ourselves available to you for that. So anyway, we just want to be, like I said, Yoda to your Skywalker, whichever Skywalker you may be, you know, <laughs> whether you're Luke or Leia. Um, we can be we could be Yoda to to that. So let's 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 get in there. That's that's kind of what we do. You you you're redeeming yourself by going Star Wars out of DC. <laughs> you came back around. I so did. you you kind of actually jumped ahead a little bit and gave a little teaser. So why you're actually here? Um, besides the fact that we just love having you on. I mean, we've done what we've done Misfits episode. Uh, you were on with me for a Tuesday talk. Um, I think, didn't we have you on for one other thing or am I, uh, like me and you, yeah, we've, we've done a two, two things. We've done two That's things. Right. Yeah, we did two things. So now, now you're back. And part of the reason you're back is because of the stuff that you just talked about within threaded. You guys are a pair, pretty much a pair church, but more of a community outreach ministry. You guys are doing this though, with the idea of we're going to take the gospel into the race conversation. And we are going to seek reconciliation through through the message of the gospel, first and foremost. Right. But now we're going to go and we are going to jump into one of the most controversial things within evangelicalism right now, which most people are going to say this is the exact opposite of what you guys are doing in Threaded. And part of the reason we're talking about this is because it is not the exact opposite thing that you guys are doing in Threaded. And that is, we are going to talk critical race theory. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know. Evil word. Either, either everybody leaned in or everyone threw up a little bit in their mouths. Something, so something happened. With you know, whatever they're listening to. Um, so we're, we're actually going to talk critical race theory, though, because I have been having these conversations online. You have been having these conversations online for years. And on top of that, you have been releasing through through threaded with colored commentary, through your personal YouTube channel, which you all should go check out. It's linked also. Critical race theory is a hot button topic. And honestly, part of the reason we're talking about this is because we're not really sure why it is such a hot button topic. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, re- recently for me, a lot of the conversations has came up politically. Uh, we just came off a more local election, and that's what some of the topics were within within the states and local communities. Absolutely, um, I feel like that's been the the most recent conversation, and it's you're either on one side or the other. 
So really, we want to break down today of what does it look like from a biblical view and not say which camp you need to stand on <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. This is this is going to be much more of, you know, we always talk about here, we're going to strip the politics out and just look at, you know, throw it into the three-tier paradigm and look at what what are the theological truths here? How do we think about this biblically? And so then what do we do with it? And so yeah, the way yeah. that we're going to start the show is Antoine is by far the most, the easiest to listen to expert on this in terms of within a Christian field. Um, there, You probably would agree there may be people that are more of an expert in CRT that are Christians, but they're very hard to listen to. <laughs> you, on the yeah. other hand, are very easy to listen to, and you are an expert, and you are a Christian, and you're coming at this from an organization that's doing gospel work in the exact area that CRT is supposed to be dealing with. Yeah. So we are going to have Anton help us dispel some of these myths that the political parties have put into what CRT actually is. Yeah. Define it for what it is. And then after our commercial break, we're going to come back and we are going to actually look at why none of that really actually should matter to us in our church conversation. So... Antoine, we're going to start with the first myth here, which is that it's actually a new thing that has come up in the past two or three years. Right. CRT is not a new thing. Where where does it come from? Well, CRT, yeah, so critical race theory started from, you know, in the 70s. Uh, and it wasn't a, they didn't even know they were starting it, you know. So the nature of critical race theory is that it is, Critical. That's the key word. And so it's, it's always sort of criticizing or evaluating maybe a better term. Critical has a negative connotation. So evaluation race theory might be a softer version, the way to think about things. But but anyway, it starts with an evaluation, a legal evaluation. And and so as we're going as as the, the creators of critical race theory, we're, we're looking at law coming out of Harvard and coming up with a way to evaluate the law in a very specific kind of way as we're pertaining to race, they started to sort of focus and hone in on, excuse me, on um, how the law is a, affects um, society with a racial dynamic. And, uh, and of course, as is a legal discipline or really any discipline, once you, once you hit a focus and a target, then that becomes the subject that you're looking at. So at that moment, critical race theory focuses on race, not so much to have a, a, a um, moral uh, cast, a crusade, but it's just the nature of any scientific process, whether it's discovering how magnets work or whether it's discovering how race affects uh, legislation. Either case, you're zoning in, if you will, on a particular area. So, but it shows up on, uh, it shows up in the 70s. And so it's not new at all. It is in response to, really, it's in response to um, what laws affect people of color after they were freed from mm -hmm. slave slavery. So the fundamental question, and this is my own words, right? But the fundamental question is, okay, so now that Black people, we're, let's stick with Black people for the moment. Now that Black people are free, what does that look like legally is, is what it's trying to deal with. And what laws were in place, are in place, will be in place, 
that will frustrate that uh, that freedom for black people now that we have entered into this newish realm of freedom you know um and and that's kind of what the conversation sort of is and it, and it comes again out of harvard is again it's very legal discipline comes from critical theory a little bit not as not nearly as much as is uh miss is is talked about but um but yeah to answer your question yeah it's it's in the 70s 60s and 70s and, and to clarify also when when you're talking about um you know newfound freedom here this is both you know, th- this is one of the things because it's a legal thing and because it's an academic thing, it, there is a little bit of a pluralism here because it's talking both looking back at history in terms of the Jim Crow era into the segregation era. And then, you know, you know 1970, by that point, we've got the Civil Rights Act in place. And so now it's also looking at, OK, where has these new laws that are now having to be enacted are they actually doing what they say they're doing? Which historically there's not been that much disagreement about the fact that a lot of them did not do exactly what they said they were going to do. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily nefarious. So when people hear someone sitting here and listening to you say that uh, the race conversation is so weaponized in that it creates villains and victims Mm-hmm. That when we say something didn't work, what people are hearing is you didn't want it to work, right? When in reality, evaluation doesn't need a villain or a victim. It's just evaluating effectiveness. And that doesn't require these moral agencies. Sometimes that moral, I mean, if you will, these moral motivations, sometimes those moral, moral motivations are there. But other times it's just you just don't know enough or it's ignorant or it's new. And, and you just haven't learned how to be effective enough at it. I mean, the inciting incident, for instance, with 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 critical race theory is board versus uh, uh, Brown versus Board of Education. And it's when, you know, Delgado and others looked at that and said, "Okay, what is this law was passed and we want to desegregate schools. That sounds like a good thing from a from a social moral point of view. But from a legal point of view, the point of it was to provide um, the equal education, equal quality or baseline quality education for all for all kids. Right. And so if you're going to say, hey, we passed this law. Did this law do what we wanted to do? You got to ask, not did this law desegregate people because that's not desegregate kids because that wasn't what the law was required to do. The law was required to produce a education baseline for all kids so that all kids would get the same, you know, standard education experience. And so you don't look at desegregation as the as the yay, this law worked, you look at this other thing. And and um, you know, Delgado was like, actually, given our current climate, that law didn't help create this outcome. And um and it looked like it might have. It there's some there's some positive and negative effects of it, but as far as what the law was meant to help facilitate, it actually made it more difficult because once we chose to desegregate, then that created white flight. And mm. next thing you know, you had all the better teachers here and you still had this sort of segregated ex- uh, experience what this disparate experience right and um and not that disparity is necessarily negative it's just that disparate that's not what the law was meant to create you know that was what it was trying to correct and so delgado starts to wonder well what other laws are like that you know where we we, we created a law to fix a problem but it didn't quite fix it 
And someone's got to evaluate that. And so critical race theory was designed to help us understand what those laws, how, how effective those laws were, and to understand how we make laws, like what are our defaults that would get in the way of um, us making good laws so we can go and deal with those things uh, head on as well. Which that that's part of what has re kind of re sparked. I, well, actually, I guess they just threw more gasoline on is more because the fire hasn't been out for a while, um, especially in your area down in Texas is the recent as that were enacted specifically. You're, you're already shaking your head. You know where <laughs> we're going. Um, the recent laws that were enacted regarding education and ironically, CRT. That you know, you and you and your co-host on Color Commentary did an excellent job actually laying this all out. So we'll we'll that's one of the links in the show notes is you can go back and, and listen to their episode there. But you know, it was a law that supposedly you know we we can't see their hearts, so we're going to give them benefit out. It was a law that was enacted with the purpose of trying to, like you're talking about, not cause disparity, but when actually looking at it from a critical legal point of view, it's actually going to cause more disparity. It's not doing what it actually, you know, the ironic thing about that law is that it's doing the exact thing that CRT was designed to evaluate. Um, let, let's start, you know, that we can, we'll leave that there for a second. So that way your, your head stops spinning with, with everything. Um, do you, uh, uh, is it visible? Do you see me spinning? Uh, like the, the, actually, the, the, the four, I'm back the down. Four, uh, responses I have in my head. I'm like, well, kind of had to go there or there or there so that or we there. see it just actually, you know, start spinning around. Um, <laughs> yeah, give us get let let's start let's start the basics here. You've kind of already laid it out. CRT and actual definition of CRT is a it's a legal process, it's a social process, and it's eva- it's an evaluative tool. Right, that, critical race. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, yeah, finish. Yeah. So, definition wise, right? The definition again. These are my own words. So, critical race theory is a legal discipline originally designed to critically examine the positive and negative effects of legislation on race relations in society. In, in 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 our society, so that's a lot of words said. Even even less words than that. Critical race theory basically wants to know: Does the law help or hurt the racial relationships in society? And it's looking at the law, looking at the laws that we've created uh, to see if uh, those laws are contributive or facilitative to uh, racial disparities that should not exist. And um, you know, what it isn't saying is that disparity is bad because we know disparity is a thing. Everybody has disparity. Every, you know, the Super Bowl comes away with one winner. That's a disparative outcome. You know, uh, the elections, they they come out with one winner. That's a disparative outcome. Dis- disparity, uh, uh, disparity of outcomes are normal. So critical racism is not anti-disparity. What they're anti or what they're looking for is laws that are that are designed to actually counter disparities that should not exist. Let's see how effective those laws are, especially as it pertains to uh, race, where race is considered in it and um, and uh, race relations that come in society. So I hope that I hope that makes sense as an original idea. That's the sort of um, that's the sort of umbrella for 
critical race theory in the legal sense. Um, and that's about as boiled down in academic definition as I can come up with. Other than that, you go into these paragraphs and paragraphs of things. Right. No, that's good. I think that, yeah, very makes it plain level for everybody. Um, and I guess my question would be, we know this has been a theory for 50 years now, but again, the topic of conversation has became in our educational system. Um, has the educational system always been around or is that more of a new hot topic as far as including that in curriculum? Because I feel like most, um, we'll just say evangelical Christians would agree that racism was prevalent in America. And for lack of better terms, it was bad or not a good thing. So, And, and so I feel like people are okay with CRT to the fact that it's this higher power of a legal system um, but now education is being involved. So now I want to well, analyze it further. Right. And well, the education, the people in the conversation around education, you know, they've sort of politicized critical race theory to be right. to take it away from this original definition, because uh, when you when people get away from their traumatic responses and their um, erratic, irrational uh, states where, <laughs> where where it pertains to responding to this word or this phrase. Once they really sit down with it, they realize there's no way you can teach a, you know, a law level, a, you know, a um, law school level theory to kindergartners. Not just uh, law, a Harvard law. Harvard, <laughs> Harvard law. Yeah. So and and it's a theory at that. So it's not something that is uh, particularly practicable, if you will, in a sense that if you're learning the law, you're going to go to a court, you're going to use the law in court, you know, to make a decision or to make your case or to rail a critical race theory is a, is a thought is a, is a theory. It's a, it's a way to, it's a way to examine things. So it may or may not be uh, entirely correct in its ideas and it would self-acknowledge that and be critical of itself uh, as I'm, as I started is evaluative of its own, of its own ideas. Um, but so this whole concept of curriculum, critical race theory is nowhere in anybody's curriculum. Um, and, and every time I get in, I had a conversation with, uh, Texas Republicans here, actually I've been with te- some of the Republicans here in the Dallas area <clears throat> and, uh, the Democrats, kind of their, their things that I brought in to talk about critical race theory. And I have to tell both of them, I'm like, it's not, some people are like, no, it should be in schools. I'm like, but it's not it's an it's a non-starter we're not it's not even in schools like the proper definition of it is not even being taught no one is even um no one's being taught tenants no one's being taught uh, a way to think about things um w- w- the laws that are being created are saying we don't want to have race race it feels like let me let me go away from accusation it feels like the laws that are being created are saying that we don't want to have conversations where white people look bad. Um, and I w- and and they're calling any conversation around race where white people look bad critical race theory, if mm-hmm. I were to boil that definition down. Yeah. And absolutely not. That's not what critical race theory is. That is that is a proper proper articulation of your fear around the conversation, perhaps, uh, an unwarranted one, right? But uh but that's not critical race theory. So I think that a lot of the conversation around education has nothing to do with critical race theory, everything to do with um, protecting people's idea of uh, that really a, a long history of evangelicalism within the church, at least since the cold war, 
you know, we're yeah. back, you know, I, I always refer to it as cold war theology. There's replacement theology, all that other kind of stuff. Yes. But this, this fear that somebody is going to get a hold of our kids in the school. Yeah. And then that's the end of Western civilization as we know it. Yeah. And, you know, we, I, I think it may have actually been you Antoine that had, had posted, somebody had asked, you know, is CRT the new red scare? Mm. And, and I, I responded, I was like, it's not a new red scare. It's the same one that we've had since the days of McCarthy, because what are the arguments everybody throws out? It's communist, it's Marxist, it's going to destroy our systems. It's the same argument they use, you I brought up with Brown, Brown v. Board. It's the same arguments they used in the Scopes Monkey Trials. It's the same arguments they used about prayer being taken out of schools. Sure. It's this idea of... It's a it's a more high ground. uh, uh, It's a battle for more high ground. And every time America as America and Marxism is a better enemy than you've made me to be. And so therefore, I'm going to call you that, you know, and and redirect the conversation. It is important real quick before we move on from, say, this redefinition. I want to I want to read you this quote from I don't know if you've heard of Christopher Rufo, Mm -hmm. but have you? I have not. I have. Okay, so Christopher Rufo is this guy. He's anti-CRT. It's the worst thing since since the worst thing of worst things. Just the, you know, <laughs> he's just like he's like it. It, it must go away. It's, it's toxic. I was kind of business. Christopher Rufo goes on Twitter last year, two thousand um, two thousand nineteen, uh, two thousand twenty. Sorry, I, I never want to say two thousand twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or actually, you know what? This is this was actually earlier this year. Not not that not two thousand twenty. So this is what Christopher Rufo says on Twitter, March twenty fifth. I'm reading a I'm reading a screenshot at his his tweet. It says this. He says. I am quite intentionally redefining what critical race theory means in the public mind, expanding it as a catch-all for the new racial orthodoxy. He goes on to say, people won't read Derrick Bell, but when their kid is labeled an oppressor in first grade, that's now CRT. Mm. Now, Christopher Rufo is a political political voice, and uh, he makes this, he, he, he tweets that he's going to intentionally change critical race theory from Man, what it means theory. to 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 an attack on your kids. And then that was in March. And then he goes on, and in June, right, uh, which is when I grab this, uh, he says this. He says, "We have successfully frozen their brand." critical race theory into the public conversation and are steadily driving up negative perceptions. We will eventually turn it toxic as we put all the various cultural insanities under that category. Now, this is the playbook. Mm. So back in, okay, let me, it's, (laughs) it's one thing when someone says, oh man, you're twisting critical race theory. Like, no, you're twisting critical race theory. It's another thing when one of the major anti-critical race theory voices in America working in government legislation and Republican, in this case, conservative uh, political uh, strategic think tanks, comes on Twitter and gives you the playbook to say, we're literally going to take critical race theory, change it from what it was because they won't read it anyway. This is what he said. They're not going to read it anyway. And we're going to make it about their kids 
And then we're eventually going to put everything that we don't like about the race conversation under it categorically. And mm. then we're going to take that to the people and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to completely change everything. I think, I think it's an important thing for us to notice in this conversation that it's not just conjecture that when, when we're saying, Hey, someone's changing the conversation, but it's something that act, actually was pursued. And, um, I don't, I don't appreciate Christopher Rufo because I like intellectual honesty. I do think there are several things wrong with critical race theory that we should be worried about, but I don't think that changing the definition of it right. and charging it with things it doesn't do or say is, is the best way to go. And the ironic thing is, is that, you know, everybody, when you say that, everybody, you know, I sarcastically said earlier the idea of, oh, well, that's just a conspiracy theory that they're they're changing this that this is really the way it is but the idea of changing a cultural term and twisting into something else at least for the church should not be a foreign concept because i mean the whole idea of the name christian was right. a term that was meant to be bad and turning into a, a mark of not pride in a sinful sense but pride in a humility sense you know, we, that's what we're called to do within the world is to, you know, take, you know, to redeem the world through the renewing of our mind and through scripture and everything else. We, but when it comes to things that we don't necessarily understand or don't like, then suddenly if it's possible that we could be wrong, then it's a conspiracy theory of somebody may be manipulating the culture a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in my say, in my case, you know, one might come back and they say, man, you know, what you're saying is a conspiracy theory. You're saying that people are, are, are intentionally setting out to change. And I would say, I'm saying that because that's what this guy said. I just, not like, it's not coming like, from the source himself. I'm reading, right. Like I read you his public quote. This is the thing that he wanted the world to see. He wrote it on Twitter. He said, Hey, just in case all y'all was wondering, this is what I'm doing with, <laughs> with critical race theory. This is what we're going to do. And 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 you would you could look at that quote and you could say that's exactly what has happened, especially mm-hmm. for anyone who's understood what critical race theory actually is. Especially this education conversation is all about the kids now, and it's just everything. Um, is it's exactly what it is. And um, as believers. The truth will set you free, right? Like the the number one thing the enemy is about is lies and deceptions and hiding truths. And I think that as believers, we can step into with the race conversation, we can step into reality and truth and bring light to that reality, even if it's very dark. And that's the beauty of the grace of God and the um and the light that God has given us to shine with. Um, while we're here on this earth. And so as believers, we don't need to be afraid of things like critical race theory, the conversations that are being that are being had there. We certainly don't need to engage in deceptive, underhanded tricks in order to somehow manipulate people away from these ideas. We can defeat, we don't have to stab critical race theory in the back. We can fight it head on if it's something that needs to be fought against, and we can fight it, you know, with integrity. We don't right. have to go and 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 change it and and make it to be something that it's not and and you know fervor you know create this fervor and this frothing of the mouth around it um, in an underhanded way. 
the way the enemy does things, you know? And so how we choose to fight against stuff is just as important as, as fighting it, I think, in the, in the Christian world. And, and, that, um, that's and I don't think that's point. how we, we think a yeah, lot that, of times. That, that's where we want to start breaking down here in a minute. We're going to actually start walking into what does this actually mean for the church? Um, because, you know, it, we, the, the conversation is very divided and very muddied. And so we, we want to actually talk about what we actually are supposed to do with all of this information and all these social norms or non-norms and half-truths and false truths and everything else. So we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we are going to dive right into the actual theological application of all of this. Hi, this is the Ministry Misfit, Andrew Fouts. I'm also the Director of Digital Resources for CSRM and the producer of Overwhelming Victory Productions. And today we want to talk a little bit about Anchor FM. Part of our job here at Overwhelming Victory Radio is to provide ministries with easy and affordable ways to create their own media content. And one of these ways is Anchor FM. Anchor is a free one-stop studio with tools to allow you to create a custom podcast experience. They do everything from creation tools, distribution tools, and even marketing tools with ads such as this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, welcome back to Ministry Misfits. Those of you that didn't turn us off after the first 30 seconds when you heard our topic, we are still here with Antoine Malone. And we are still talking CRT, but we we spent the first half talking about what it actually is as opposed to what it is not. And we talked about the fact that this is not a theology. This is a, a social theory. It's a legal theory. And it's an evaluative tool to evaluate law and evaluate effects of law on society. Um, we talked about a little bit about why the fear of education and how it's somewhat misfounded, as well as how most of the fears are actually misfounded and that the guy that started the rumors publicly admitted he started the rumors. Um, so now we <laughs> want to still actually- crazy to me, bro. Like, I, I know, I know you're doing a thing, but it's just, it's amazing to me. Like I, I can say that and somebody will be like, yeah. And they'll just not as, 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 as if I didn't say that, like, like right. he right. can say that publicly and, and people will be like, whatever. And, still still yeah. want to believe what they want to believe in yeah just be be the subject of that it like there's a verse in there too which maybe we'll get to today we'll see um, <laughs> so we want to start talking now about what this actually means from the church because we already talked about the fact that crt is not actually a theology regardless of what some people want to try to claim that it is a lot of people want to claim it's a false gospel and a false theology it's neither of those things because it doesn't deal with either of those things. But part of where the confusion gets in is that people do not actually understand what the tenets of CRT actually are. And tenets itself is a weighted word because typically we look at that from a religious point of view, but we're talking legal tenets here. What are the actual tenets of CRT? Yeah. So there's a list of like five in some cases and other lists have four. Um, uh, I have a list of four. There's there's a fifth one, but it but one of them kind of for me they kind of bleed into each other. So again, as this thing is evaluating into each other, 
you know, you, you'll get some of this. Um, it, it's really difficult, actually, if you look up tenets of CRT to find, you know, um, an official official list, because, again, it's, it's a evolving thing. But these are the ones that are probably most uh, most prevalent. And so the first one is the permanence, what, what, what we call the permanence of racism. And what that basically means is that racism is ordinary and common and not extreme. So when we when people say the permanence of racism, again, we have to think this is legalese. And so a lot of these terms have, have a different connotation in the legal in the legal realm than they do in common language. And so permanence sounds like something that is inevitable, when in reality, what permanence means here is that it's ordinary. It means that it's that it's not extraordinary or uh, not on the edges. And so most people, when they think about racism, they say, oh, racism is Ku Klux Klan, is lynchings, it's um, is calling people the N-word. It's these very extreme expressions of racism. And critical race theory suggests that in, a, in an American context, Racism does have those extreme expressions, but it also has very normal and um, more subtle applications throughout uh, life, especially throughout and and therefore can find itself suddenly and inconspicuously um, influenced in how we write laws and what laws we create. And, And therefore, we have to be aware that we have that in us, perhaps, and and evaluate the laws that we create understanding that we kind of have that default in us. So that's what the permanence of racism is. Um, That's that one. Number two is social construction, that race is a created social category, meaning that that race as a designation is not a natural, um, uh, uh, it's not a natural category like say gender is, or like say brown eyes or blue eyes or what have you. But race is a social category that has been defined and given value to it by a given society, in this case, America. And uh, and as a racial, as a social construction, it becomes something that um, someone can come and add to or take value from because they're the creator of that category, as opposed to uh, a, a more natural category. So race is a social construction I'm not a black man uh, by nature. I am an African American, or, or I'm African, or I am. I have some sort of natural descent. But black and white are social categories mm-hmm. uh, that was used to, um, you, you know, to, to understand the society that we were in and to build laws around uh, historically. Number three is counter storytelling, which is this concept that the voices and the experience of the marginalized matter. And so the concept here is that in the past, only the rational mind was the giver of true things. And in this case, you're like, hey, the rational mind is still valid and good, but uh, the voices and experience of the marginalized should help understand what it means to be marginalized, (laughs) not just the academic analysis of what it means to be marginalized. In other words, if uh, if I want to know what it's like to be pregnant, I can write a book about it as a man and try to understand that. But it would be a great idea to go to someone who's been pregnant before and say, hey, what's that about? And have her experiences tell me and inform for me what pregnancy X is like and not dismiss her experience as something that is uh, has little to no value. And then the fourth thing is interest conversions. It's the idea that the primary instinct 
of whites is to act only in self-interest. And, and that is to say that when we've seen historically, when we've seen critical race theory is saying that when we've seen white, the white categorical social constructed man uh, act in the interest of racial uh, equality and unity, it, it's done so from the place that there is a win-win with them and that there's some sort of um, interest they have in that conversation that is positive for them, as opposed to one that is purely sacrificial for the sake of, of someone else. And this is a typical way of just, uh, we see this all the time in things, but those are the permanence of racism, social construction, counter storytelling, and interest conversion is, uh, are, are some of the things, the four tenets that um, I usually work from. Right. And, now, that, and that's a super quick, <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah. super quick. Uh, uh, so if you're thinking through that, and you're thinking, man, there's some holes in there. You probably right. And there's more to expand on all of those things. I'll say this too. This is where these tenants need to be understood as uh, how um, critical race theory is dealing with the law, not with life. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem, the problem that we get when we get here is when we get theologians, theologians come to, they look at these four things and they say, how does this match with theology? And CRT is like, well, wait a minute, we're not talking about theology. It's a little right. bit like asking, what are the rules of gravity in, in astronomy? And you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're on Earth. Yeah, and so the there, there's, a, there's a very real law of gravity here on Earth. But when you talk about gravity in space, I mean, it's, you know, those are, those are two different, completely different observational environments. And so you're not going to be able to look at the law of gravity and apply its principles to Mars or to the stars, right? And even though, even though the law of gravity is real and true. So we have to be careful about bringing theological concepts and making these tenets uh, be commentary to theological concepts when that's not what their intention is. And it's from that that you're starting to get this concept of social gospel and all that. Real quick, and I'll let you go. For an example, <clears throat> the, the conversation of interest conversion. Interest conversions, for some people, when they see interest conversions, what they're hearing theologically is, okay, so what you're saying is that racism was the original sin, the theological original sin that we can't, um, and, and, and there's no way out for me uh, to be saved from my racist sin, right? Because I only act in my own interests, right? And so uh, they bring this concept of original sin to interest convergence. And they say, this is the gospel that you're saying. You're saying that unless I'm, unless I am, uh, you know, unless I am um, on board with what you're talking about, I cannot be saved or my original sin is defined by race, so forth and so on. And it, it really is just mixing. It's just a bad mix. But you have these really, really smart, well-articulated um, people who have made these conflations, changed the subject matter to theology instead of legal legal practices and um, cause the whole thing to go awry. So, and, and ho- so hopefully, hopefully that's clear. So now we're going to do the same thing and conflate theology with what we just <laughs> talked about. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, even, even with what you're talking about there, because, you know, the big one that we always hear about is the, especially the entrance convergence and that, you know, the idea of, well, you're saying that if I'm white, I'm a sinner just because I'm white. 
Right. Even if that were true. That's what the, not, not that that's yep. the right statement. You said, yeah. not, <laughs> that's that's what the tenant says. Yeah, that's said. what people say. Yeah. Even if that were true. And th- this is where we really want to start breaking down more so even than just the fact that once again, we're seeing, especially within evangelicalism, this extends out beyond evangelicalism. This hits, you know, there are Pentecostal churches that are doing this. There are Catholic churches that are saying this. There are even Orthodox churches that are saying this. It's it's grown beyond just evangelicalism. But we're just going to focus in there for a second. Even if it were true that it's saying that your, you know, you as that the original sin was racism. If you are arguing that you are saying because as the original sin, I cannot be redeemed from it. And that's what you think it is teaching. Your issue there should not be on the idea of that you are a racist. The issue there is because the what is being preached is that there's a sin that cannot be saved from. Right. We are, we are focusing in on the wrong things here. Mm-hmm. And this is really where we get into to what we really want to talk about is that what we hear all the time is everybody keeps on saying critical race theory is the greatest threat to the church. That in itself is a theological inconsistency, even more so than any of the fake stuff they try to throw into CRT. Yeah. I mean, it's a red herring because what it, when you say, when one says, even if, even if you're working from a paradigm, like what you say, let's just grant the paradigm that the misused and out of what, you know, wacko paradigm, I think, right. I shouldn't say that as very judgmental, but the, 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 the wrong paradigm for you to say, this is the most important thing centers your experience as and how you have to ask the question. Why is it? Why, why is it? What caused it to raise uh, above all other issues? It's above it's above all issues. This is the number one threat to Christianity now. Critical race theory is, and and what it signals to someone is that y- how how you think this affects you, the way you think, um, the way this uh, attacks, if you will, your sense of self. This is what you're getting at, or even um, the heresy uh, that you would you believe that it may be saying. What you're saying is that unless we get unless we get this thing that affects me in this negative way right, then all is lost in Christianity, which which really does seem to center the 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 experience your experience as the most important experience to protect uh, more even than um, Christianity itself. Well, and really, um, what the whole that whole tenet within CRT is talking about is the only time that you're looking for a win is when it's a win win. That's correct. And yeah. so on some level, yeah. you are exemplifying yeah. the very thing yeah. right. that, it's, <laughs> that is laying out for you. And, and even going beyond that, why do we suddenly think that a legal system or a social structure, whether, we, whether if you want to completely discount the first half of the podcast or not, as far as where we laid out the fact that this is not a theological thing, that it doesn't deal in theology at all. This is all based in legal practices and, you know, you know, legal evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know, all that kind of stuff. 
okay, you can dismiss that whole thing. Thanks for fast forwarding through to get to this part. Why do you suddenly think that these things are a threat? Because the word threat carries the idea of this thing could kill it. If it is a threat to Christianity or to the church, then I think you have got some misguided ideas of what the church actually is. And you probably should go back to episode 22 and re-listen to what we talked about with persecution Mm -hmm. and what that actually looks like. There is no natural predator for the church because Christ has already overcome. That's the whole point of what we see in Matthew 16. The gates of hell cannot overtake it. If the gates of hell can't overtake it, then a social theory from 1970 is not going to be able to overtake it. We've got to get rid of the idea that because we think some guy says on Twitter that he's going to change the the stuff. And now you think that, okay, my kids are in danger because this is happening at their schools when it's not even there yet and can't be there because there's no way a kindergartner can understand this stuff. If you think that is going to cause the gospel to collapse in on itself and the kingdom to, to crumble, then your faith is not in Christ. Your faith is in something way more fragile. And I mean, we're, we're being very blunt here, but that's because there is no a way around it. Now, there are dangers to the local church. And if that's what you're in trying to imply, we give you the benefit of the doubt there. There are way bigger dangers than whether or not a a theory that is being used is going to be used to evaluate the laws in your city. Because the replacing of the gospel with the constitution or the replacing of the, you know, Mm. all of these different things, Christian nationalism of I'm an American and then I'm a Christian or my brother that may be a Democrat is no longer my brother because of who he voted for. Those are way more damaging to the local body of believers than whether or not your government is evaluating their laws with a legal, with a legal theory. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, as, as a, it's an interesting challenge, you know, what you're saying, like, you know, how fragile is the church really, you know, and if it's so fragile that, it, uh, that this theory can come and present itself as the, apex predator to that to that <laughs> to to the church then um those of us who see crt as really relatively minor and sideline on some level it's like wait what this is the big this is the big bad wolf that we got to worry about like it may be a wolf right but it's certainly not the big bad wolf right and there there, there may be some things in it that you like hey we gotta we gotta let's not go here with this but when someone says, "Oh no, this is this is the this is this is the nuclear bomb of of the enemy," he's been sitting around and he's concocted critical race theory as the thing that's going to take out the church. And 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 there's us looking at that like this isn't not nuclear bomb type of stuff right here. Like, it, yeah, there's some issues, but it is not the the number one. Boy, we better get our minds wrapped around this thing, otherwise, uh, God's gospel will not go forward. 
And, you know, that that is not what this is. And and there is this ridiculous sort of extremity that's being talked about within when it when it's being talked about that way. And, and what that causes us to think about is it causes people to say, well, why do you make it such a big threat when it's not a big threat? And it ends up saying more about the person who's making that threat than about what the issue is. It ends up saying you think that you're in threat, you know, or at least that's where it causes us to do right uh, to think. Well, and I you will say this though. A good, good point there too. Of really, the bigger you know, if we want to use the word threat, that's coming from the enemy. You could, I, if you actually the way you say, it, you could actually claim CRT being the big bad wolf, but not in the theory, in the way that people are reacting to it. Right. The the politicizing of the it with other, the other yes the exactly it has the opposite more, effect you know that that is way more of a of a threat danger coming from the enemy of of disunity of the you know divert all these different things that I can't think of all of a sudden it, they're math terms um, you know we can't do le- we can't do both legal terms and math terms in the no, same not, not in the same podcast our our minds blow up you know it it doesn't. That is a a much more a much bigger danger when we talk about CRT is the way that we react to our brothers and sisters when we start talking about it. That's correct. Theory actually is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Theory, and where God kind of gives us specifically commandments of what to do, and we talked about it at our absurd conference of like fight for righteousness, justice, and peace. And so, if I look at my community. And I see this unrest or just things that are going on. It's like, that's where my focus should be in my time and energy, not this boogeyman mentality that something may or may not happen or what this is or isn't. Like, we still have problems that are, are going on right in our community, right down the road from us. So, like, let's focus our efforts there um, and, instead of this, what it is or isn't. Seems like an easy thing to do. Uh, I, I will, I'll give this, man. It, it feels like it's easy. Again, apparently, it's not. <laughs> but but people have a hard time with it. Yeah. I will say this. If if one comes to these tenants and and they like, oh, my gosh, in their view, these are these are in some ways uh, destroying the gospel. You know, like I say, interest conversion means that we're inevitably sinners and there's no way out. Counter storytelling. Oh, you want to be uh, object? Uh, rather, you want to be uh, postmodern in your thinking. You don't want to accept ration because you want to validate feeling and experience, and therefore that makes you postmodernist. These are the, the twists on these. Nobody has a problem with social construction. Permanence to racism. What you're saying is that you know racism cannot be overcome, and racism, as defined by critical race theory, is prejudice with power. And so, therefore, only the people who are powerful are racist, and so they they can never not be racist. So the so when you put all that stuff together, and then you try to put a gospel, you try to sprinkle sprinkle um, you know the five points of Calvinism in the midst of it, right? And then all of a sudden now you have this thing and you start to say, man, this thing is actually anti-gospel. It's, it's calling me things the Bible doesn't call me. It says things about my nature that aren't true. And it says the pathway out of that nature is um, is not the way the Bible describes it. If someone decides to go down that road, then it does make sense to me that they will be like, okay, we're going to protect the gospel from CRT. The, the problem with all of that, which is what we've been articulating, is CRT never never sets itself up as a religious uh, contender. It doesn't, it doesn't enter the sport of religion. It enters the sport of, of law. And so you're not going to take the, uh, 
unless you're Bo Jackson, you're not going to take the ba- the baseball player, set him in the football field, and 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 judge that baseball player by football rules, and expect to you know expect to expect to um, expect to find something that's real and true. Uh, and what we're doing, we're mixing sports. We're taking the rules of 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 the gospel, and we're trying to apply them to the CRT. And the way the points are scored, it, I mean, in uh, to law, and the way the points are scored in law is different than the way the points are scored in 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 religion, in Christianity. And the definitions are a little bit different. And you're not going to again. You can't take the rules of one sport, uh, just apply them to this other sport, and then now call that sport a bad whatever player. And um, and I think that's what we're seeing. And it is frustrating to me because it prevents problem solution. Right. Uh, because what it does is it changes the ability to eliminate the things that should be easily dealt with. And they now become things about me, about myself. This is ultimately a pride and humble com- humility conversation. And the enemy just takes takes things and somehow takes the issue and turns it back on self. When Christ is so adamantly teaching us that the way forward, the way to love and justice is to, is to think about ourselves last and about how a situation deals with us last and to accept and work for and fight for uh, the causes and the well-being of others. And that's just part of it. So, you know, people see the CRC thing as something that they need to fight against. I say it's something you need to wrestle with, right? but it's not something that... um, I don't see it as anything detrimental to to my religious experience or understanding of the gospel. Again, no more than I see, you know, first downs in basketball games. Like it's just it's to me it's 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 ridiculous to have a referee who understands football on a basketball court and trying to call fouls in basketball with football rules. That's that's dumb. And and well, on some level, that's kind of what we're seeing here. The way pass interference has been called this year. It- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that we're better here in cleveland um anyway you should we, uh, we are out of time for today um antoine as always we love having you on Thank we'll you. bring you back for some other talks you know we've had you on for a not so serious we've had you on for a serious we'll find a middle ground here somewhere <laughs> um, well, you know and this this but real quick this conversation right here there's so much more here right like it's right. just it's really hard to hit it but um uh, if if I could if I could just say this last thing right and then we then we'll wrap it up. Like if you are someone who's wrestling with CRT or what or all of that, what I found is that oftentimes your problem is not with CRT. Your problem is with the race conversation, and if that's true, then let's let's you know it. Let's evaluate why that is. And let me tell you this. I'll say this too. Um, you know, America, I don't think anyone would say if 10 is that, hey, we if, if we're on a scale of one to 10 and 10 is, hey, we have no racism in America and everything is great. And zero is the worst. Right. We might call ourselves at about a seven or an eight. Right. And that would be great. Right. Because that's not where we started. So that means we move from, say, two to eight. Right. And that's good. Progress is inspiring. And so when we think about history and we tell about our two and we talk about the history of moving from two to eight, that's good news. That's Mm -hmm. not something to be ashamed about. 
That's something to be inspiring. That's a legacy to pass. That's something to say, hey, we have been overcoming this slowly but surely, and we're almost there. You're the next generation. Keep the party going. We want to continue to distance ourselves from racism as much as we can as a nation, and we don't want any of it, no no traces of it, as much as we can allow it in our system. I don't think that anyone in America who's who's right-minded would say, would counter that idea. Right. And so we don't have to look at history as something to be ashamed of. We can look at history as something to be inspired from, even if it's ugly. And so if you're sitting here worried about CRT, worried about what is being taught to your kids, whether they're going to hate themselves, listen, white people were a huge part of moving from two to eight, right? And your kids have that heritage to look at just as well as they have a heritage to look at, say, of white of bad things happening. And so you don't need to be afraid of this conversation. You don't need to be afraid of, we do need to think about age appropriateness and all the sorts of things. And, and we, but we are on this journey together as a nation to alleviate racism. It's not something to be afraid of. We can be inspired by our progress is inspiring, not, not belittling. And so we see progress. Let's celebrate progress and continue progress. I think that's an easy way to think about the conversation. And therefore, when you see CRT, CRT is your weapon now against racism, not your weapon against white people. And that's not that's not how it's, it's meant it's meant to be done. So I wanted to kind of put that out there, maybe a more positive note to say, hey, there's a way to think about this with hope and with inspiration instead of fear. And um, well, instead of fear. Yeah, that was very well said. I we need, appreciate that. Yeah, we need we need to ask James Talbert where he gets his little praise button that they've got for Bless Up. Because oh, that would have been right there where to, to throw it in. The whole, like, you know, Pentecostal praise organ. That would have been. <laughs> been. <laughs> Antoine, we're going to, if you want to check out more about Antoine, about the stuff he's doing, he still is doing Pastor's Game 2, although Facebook's being stupid again. So go follow him on his other channels. Yeah, um, you can also give me, give me on YouTube and rescue me from Facebook because I think right. I'm gonna have to get off of Facebook, but I don't have my audience on YouTube quite yet. <laughs> you can also follow follow along with this co- exact conversation on their the other podcast that he does, Colored Commentary. Um, you can also go to his his YouTube channel and check out a different YouTube channel um, and check out more on these exact things we're talking about as far as the tenants and what that looks like biblically, things like that. Um, all of those links are in the show notes. The links to contact us are in the show notes. Um, yeah, we will be back next week. And I don't remember what's next week. So we'll be back, though. Yeah, it's on, uh, yeah coming up, we've also got Giving Tuesday. Yes, Giving we're Tuesday. To yeah. that out and we're going to do maybe 12 days of Misfits, something yeah. like that for Advent season. I, I'm going to challenge Brandon's Christmas and Bible knowledge at the same time. Yeah, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Interesting conversation for the month of December. Yeah, so you'll prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, Antoine now is glad that he's only a guest and not here all the time. So, <laughs> hey, we man, will I'm see always you here for a little a little challenge. That's yeah. right. We will see you all next week. Ministry Misfits Podcast is a production of Overwhelming Victory Flicks, Overwhelming Victory Radio, and Ministry Misfits Media. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. Our music is provided by Morning Light Music and is titled Rain. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, and TikTok. You can support Ministry Misfits at anchor.fm forward slash ministry misfits or for FO1C3 credit by going to csrm.org forward slash donate and selecting Andrew Fouts in the campaign menu. To learn more about Overwhelming Victory or to listen to our sister podcast, visit overwhelmingvictory.org.